I don't ask anybody's question but yours. Is he in? He is! Dungey with another touchdown run! Because you're an idiot. It's not how tall, it's how long, and Warwick got a piece of that. And really, a disloyal person. And a few other things I could add, but I'll, I'm not going to. Ennis, two seconds. He'll get a shot off on the way. Got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! Happy Friday, Syracuse fans. We've got a special treat for you today on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. It's the one and only Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic. Matthew, what's going on? Tyler, appreciate it. Great to be on. Uh, pulling out my recorder. First time using it in a couple months here since since it was used. I used it at a prison, so... Uh, glad to be on though. <laughs> that's and uh, talk some. Hoops. That's only Matthew Gutierrez. He, he'll he'll grind out stories from the dome, from prison, and everywhere in between. <laughs> God, just chasing him, man. Always, always. But <laughs> well, I'm glad we're not in prison right now doing this. So a tough loss for Syracuse this past week against NC State, a game that obviously the the outcome probably changes with Elijah Hughes out yeah. there, but. Just, I want to get some of your thoughts. What you saw from that NC State game and, and everything that happened after. How's the team kind of coping with this? Especially with Elijah Hughes, his status really up in the air right now. Yeah, we don't know. He injured himself in warm-ups. Uh, Bam said it was the first time in, at least to his knowledge, 44 years that someone has gotten hurt in warm-ups. Um, you, know, you don't know if it was layup line, if it was like shooting, if it was him fooling around. I mean, sometimes he does, you know, he's a fun player. He's a great player. Sometimes he does some dunks and, and fun stuff and, and warm-ups. You hope it, it wasn't on something silly like that. But uh, regardless, yeah, he'll be out. We don't know his timetable. Uh, it, will he be back for Florida State on Saturday? Pretty quick turnaround. Who knows? Um, so pretty big blow for a, for an offense that relies so heavily on one of the best scorers in the country. He's second in the ACC, averaging 19.4 points per game. Uh, he's spent a lot of time in that number one spot, too, in, in scoring. Um, and right. so, you know, last night, for that team to, to only lose by five is somewhat encouraging. Um, although, <laughs> the I guess the other thing, though, is that you lose to a North Carolina State team, by the way. They did not look very good, the Wolfpack at all. Uh, you lose to them at home. And now you are facing a massive uphill battle for the NCAA tournament. I think this was a game that if you lose, now you pretty much have to win out to make the big dance. They have to win. Every, wow. Yeah, I think, You're saying win I think out. They have to win every single game on the regular season schedule to, to, get, to make sure they're on the right side of the bubble. If they lose one or two, they'll probably still be on the bubble but on the wrong side. I think they do have to win every single game at this point. Okay, that's interesting. We, we can talk a little more tournament outlook later on, sure. and maybe we'll save that for another podcast as well. But so, first of all, you can follow Matthew on Twitter at MatthewGoot21. That's at MatthewGut21. You can also check the show out at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. Okay, so here's my thing with the injuries and this team, okay? Injuries really have not been a problem these last five years when you think about Syracuse and some of their major players. Like, sure, Tyus Battle missed a game here or there. Sure, uh, Frank Howard, of course, in, in the NCAA tournament last year with the unexpected suspension. But, I mean, you think about that Final Four team in 2016. They started the same lineup from Game 1 all the way to the loss against UNC down in Houston. 
And you really haven't seen these big players go down. And to lose your leading scorer, and not just your leading scorer, but one of the conference's leading scorers, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with how this team's going to grapple with that moving forward. I know we saw Joe Girard have his kind of moment uh, on Tuesday, but I, I just don't know. And I think you really saw it in the box score as well, where only two guys shot three-pointers. And you're going to need that extra guy when you face a team like Florida State and when you face a Louisville down the road. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you can tell, obviously, uh, North Carolina State was able to defend Buddy a lot a lot more intensely uh, without Hughes on the floor. And then you only have two three-point shooters, and neither one of them shot well. So then you are looking at a team that doesn't have its probably its best weapon still, three-point shot. Um, this team has really impressed me and I'm sure others and just their ability to score in other ways now that they, they use until New Year's they were just a three-point shooting team with a really good player in Elijah Hughes no front court and that was probably their identity and now they're there's so much more than that they're still probably missing one piece which is inside play offensively especially but um, yeah with Elijah this if you're Syracuse, you really hope he's back for FSU, if not FSU, Louisville, right? It depends. Some groin injuries can be a couple days. Yeah. Uh, some can be a couple weeks. Just depends on how severe it was. Um, and, and we don't know. Unfortunately, not just at Syracuse, but in college athletics, um, injuries are, are covered up pretty well, um, which is unfortunate. I think it, it's a, it's a, it's a loose situation for all parties, including the team. Um, uh, whereas, in the, at least in pro sports, generally there's there's rules around that, and, and injury reports are required and stuff like that. But uh, so that's a side note. <laughs> um, Elijah Hughes definitely hurts uh, him being out. So I mentioned a little bit. Joe Girard stepped up. Quincy Garrier stepped up yep. as well. He had a double double, which was a nice little output for him. Both of them had career highs against NC State. Is that? I mean, I kind of view it as. I've been waiting for both of these guys to really have their big-time moments. And Gerard's had some of those big-time moments already. And then Garrier, I think, is next in line, especially with the way that the interior presence has struggled to score at times. But with those two guys, is was that NC State game maybe a turning point for them late in that freshman season? Because, you know, you hear coaches all the time talk about, oh, this is the point where the freshmen are turning into sophomores. I think we may have had that against NC State. Yeah, definitely reason to believe uh, for sure. NC State, not an elite defensive team, but to doesn't matter. Right. I mean, you're doing that on the ACC floor. Uh, Quincy and and Joe were were fantastic. Part of that is they were getting the shots that Elijah would would be getting at least some of them. So there's that. But uh, Quincy was excellent inside, doing what. The coaches have wanted him to do all along, which is just crash the boards, run the floor, and collect those putbacks. There's so many opportunities on the putbacks, especially if they're not going to shoot well from right. three. There's going to be a lot of long rebounds. And the offensive rebounding numbers were through the charts yeah. that night, <laughs> yeah, too. exactly. Um, part of that is because Quincy crashes. He's one of the few players on the team who crashes the boards well um, and is able to – he's a lot better at finishing. He's making some free throws. Um, he works his tail off. Uh, you know, number I have a number of stories of him just before practice getting after it. Um, so it's deserving for him. What he had, 16 and 10. Gerard had 30, a freshman scoring record at the Carrier Dome. Nothing even Carmel Anthony did. That was crazy for me yeah. too. 
because right. he had 30 points, but one of 10 from three. And for a guy who, who we've been told all the, all the time, yeah. he can shoot the second he's over half court. And he gets 30 points on one of 10. I, I just found that amazing. You know, some of his shot selection has obviously been really questionable. It has been questionable, uh, yeah. Contested. The last couple games, right. really. Yep, early in the shot clock. Like, you can de- maybe deal with contested, but when there's 21 seconds on the shot clock, I mean, that's not your best look. You want to probably work the defense a little bit, maybe a pass or two. Right. Um, yeah, one for 10, but... Notice, yeah, you know, I think he was what eleven for twelve from the line. I don't have it in front of me. I believe, yeah, right? it was eleven of twelve, and then I think he was uh, nine of twenty or nine of twenty-two from from a two-point range. Yeah, no, that's awesome. At that or something along yeah, those lines. That line number is huge. Though. I mean, if, if, to get to the line several times, I think a couple yeah. of them were based on the one and one, but still. Um, him getting to the line, he's a top five free throw shooter in the country. Uh, scores score, right? I mean, even the late Kobe, I mean, he scored so much from the line. LeBron, like, guys who score in volume, Carmelo when he was James here. Harden only scores yeah. from the line. I mean, it's a, it's a cheat code, right? You, the time is stopped and you get right. to score points. Right. All right. When we come back, we'll dive into tomorrow's matchup against Florida State. What do the Seminoles bring to the table? And what are some of the matchups that we're really going to dive into between these two teams? Don't go anywhere. Locked on Syracuse. We'll be right back. All right. Weekend trip to Tallahassee. That doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world if you're from the Syracuse area and spend all that time in the... What is the weather like out there right now? In the Cuse or Tallahassee? Cause, yeah, okay, in the Cuse. In the Cuse. Yeah. Uh, right now, it's pretty mild, actually. This winter, you know, I think we're two feet under uh, the snow average for mid-February at this point. So, okay. yeah, it's been nothing to complain about. We're in the 30s. No, no Florida weather, but uh, nothing to complain about as far as CNY. <laughs> Yeah, well, so they're going to go down to Tallahassee now where it'll probably be like in the 70s for the entire weekend that they're down there. And they're going to go up against uh, a much, a not-so-sunny Florida State team in terms of who you want to face on a night-in, night-out basis. This this team in Tallahassee is really, really good this year. I mean, when you look at some of the past teams that Leonard Hamilton's had, this is one that can legitimately win the national championship just with the way that they can suffocate you defensively and put up points on the offensive side as well. So Florida State, probably the toughest game Syracuse has left. It's between them and Louisville, which is unfortunately for the Orange, the immediate game after this. But I mean, Leonard Hamilton's team really has put it together this year. Yeah, I mean, credit to him. He's they they were incredible last year too. Um, he's done an awesome job. Somehow been there what twenty years or so. I think he's seventy. He looks forty five. I mean, he's right. he's uh, he seems awesome to play for. But yeah, his team is rolling. Uh, top ten base almost beat Duke on Monday night uh, at Cameron Indoor. They only have four. I think four losses. One of them was Pittsburgh on opening night. That yeah, was that's a correct. fluke. Um, uh, Barely, They're all power five right, losses. Barely lost to Virginia, and Virginia's defense is, you know, suffocating. Um, Indiana, I guess, was their only, you know, mess up. That was a weird yeah. game, too. Lost yeah. by, what, uh, 20 almost. So, um, uh, 15, yeah, 16. Yeah. So, uh, they're going to be, I mean, they're in Ken Palm, a top 20 defense, top 45 offense. Uh, they have a huge bench. Um, they are really good, and I, I worry if, 
if there's no Elijah Hughes, they're going to be all over Buddy and Gerard. Um, it might be a big game for Quincy and Marek to go for 15 each, but uh, they're going to be all over Syracuse perimeter players. They are an in-your-face defense, um, and I think they they have their way down there at home. So you bring up that depth, and I think that's the most important thing to talk about. And it's interesting. Tim and I had a conversation about depth with Syracuse uh, the other day when we were recapping the NC State loss. So Mike Bray has this great quote, and it says, depth is overrated in games and underrated in practice, because in practice you want all the bodies so you can even run a five-on-five, but in games you're really at the end of the day only going to play seven or eight guys. Well, that's not the case with Florida State at all. And when you look at the minutes distribution, okay, so Syracuse has three guys with at least 80% of the minutes used. Meanwhile, when you look at Florida State, they don't have a single guy over 80%, and pretty much everyone on the roster gets at least 20% of the minutes played. So they're going to go top to bottom with you. They, they can roll out 10, 11 guys if they really want to, which I think is, is unbelievable. And Tim and I have really become enamored with this stat that Ken Palm puts out there called two-foul participation. I'm sure you're aware of that Great number. Stat, for sure. Syracuse, a team that that really will let their guys ride with two fouls. We've seen it a lot with Barama, of course, uh, Marek whenever he gets in foul trouble. But when you look at this Florida State team, they do not let that fly at all on their roster. Their two-foul participation percentage is 2%. That means from the time that they foul out, or that from the time someone picks up two fouls, they're essentially heading straight to the bench. They play 2% of minutes up until the end of the first half. So Leonard Hamilton, second in the country. For, for perspective, the average in the country is 22%. You get 22% of minutes for the remainder of the half. So I find that fascinating that they've got the depth to do that. So imagine from Syracuse's perspective, Barama Sidibe gets two fouls, boom, he's heading straight to the bench, and he's pretty much not seeing the floor until the second half. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's unbelievable, uh, FSU's depth. They, they're all going to come on, as they have done this season, come into the game, uh, you know, playing their tails off just because they know they got to play really hard to, to be on the floor, right? they got to earn their minutes. So uh, they're, they're always flying around, loose balls in your face, whereas with Syracuse, it's pretty much a lock, right, with the five plus maybe maybe Quincy, maybe a little Bryson, Um Slight bit of Jesse every time Brahma, you know, has four fouls, which is frequent now. But um, yeah, it, was it seven straight? Right? Is it seven straight? I don't. I don't. I don't know if. I think I saw that on Twitter. Seven straight games with four fouls and like fourteen of his last fifteen. Oh my goodness! It's unheard of. Yeah, I can go back in the box. Shades of Chino Aboko. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that speaks volumes. I mean, it is a it is a legit. It's funny, but it is a legit issue that uh, defensive issue like. To foul that much um, is really poor defense, um, and a lot of times he's not moving his feet, he's not anticipating, he's reaching, and that's where the fouls come from. It, it is hurting the Orange, no doubt. Absolutely. So another thing interesting about this NC State team, they are the tallest team in the country, an average height of 79 inches on the dot. So... It's funny because I think that height thing is a little misleading with this NC State team. When you look at their most used lineups, all right, they're starting Raekwon Gray mostly at center. He's six foot eight. They really don't use a bulk of their lineups. I mean, the bulk of their lineups feature someone six nine and shorter as the tallest guy on the floor at all times. 
But when you look at everything uh, from a, a bird's eye view, the point, I mean, the guards are big on this team. Kind of like how Syracuse had, had the big guards a year ago with, with Tyus and Frank. I mean, it's kind of the same thing here with Florida State where everyone on the floor is going to be between 6'4 and 6'9 until you really start digging into the bench. I mean, Leonard Hamilton always has a couple seven-footers on his roster, but I'm going to say for now that that the height for Florida State is pretty misleading, but it is pretty condensed. I mean, that window is 6'4 to 6'9 pretty much at all times out there on the floor. Yeah, it's all it, like you said, it's all on the guards, really. Um, that can kind of really bump up the average if guards are consistently 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", even 6'7". Like Syracuse, right? For years, Syracuse is the top 10 team in height in Ken Palm since 2001. Uh, I'm sure even before that, before, but we wouldn't really be able to track that without doing uh, hours of math. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and who wants yeah, that? It take quite a while to, to do the averages every year. But yeah, so Syracuse, same thing. It's kind of the big, big guards thing really helps the average height for a team. And Makes everything look bigger, helps the zone, right? Kind of feel, makes the court feel smaller for the offense. Um, and yet Florida State kind of does that too. They have so much length in a similar way to Syracuse, um, you know, maybe minus Gerard and Buddy a little bit up top, but they're able to, to get deflections and, and, and reach in and poke balls out and, and cut off passing lanes. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of this Florida State defense, and, and they can really lock some teams up. I mean, even in that Duke loss, you're holding a, a pretty potent Duke team who's got some really good interior presence to just 70 points in a losing effort in Cameron, too. Yeah, yeah and that's with Ver Vernon so. Carey on Duke, right? And Florida State really doesn't right. have anyone, not too many teams have anyone that can match up with Carey, so that's... That's probably the difference there. Uh, otherwise, they had everything locked up. I mean, the perimeter was like gridlock. <laughs> uh, Duke could not get a lot going, um, at least good look-wise on threes. I don't have their shooting percentage in front of me. But uh, same thing with Syracuse. It'll be, uh, they'll be all over the perimeter and, and make, guys, make guys drive, which is also, as Beheim said, a, a defense that <clears throat> Elijah Hughes likes, right? He likes the pressure so he can, he can drive by. And um, if he's out, that's another blow. Yeah, so one player that I'm really intrigued by in this matchup is going to be Devin Vassell because he can light it up from distance, shooting 42% from three on the season. And, and that's while taking the second most attempts on the team as well. So he can really pour it in from deep. And when you look at that NC State game, again, the Wolfpack not a team that really shoots the three ball well, but they had it going from that night, and ultimately that decides the game. If Syracuse can't lock up Vassal from deep, it's going to be a long, long day down in Tallahassee. But who's a player that you're looking for in this matchup that you think can change the game on the Florida State side? Yeah, I think uh, there's a, there's a bunch, right? There's him. There's you know you mentioned. I mean, they've got you've got twelve to pick yeah, from. You mentioned so. Gray, uh, MJ Walker's uh, really good junior. Uh, Trent Forrest is a senior. Seems like he's been there quite a while. Um, right. They got, they just got guys all over. Got dudes that I think can attack the zone. They've they've had success um, <clears throat> against Syracuse's zone time and again. I mean, going back to even a few years ago before Florida State really kind of became a, a sneaky tournament team. I, I, part of it maybe they just don't get covered a lot in Tallahassee. I don't know what it is, but 
they seem to kind of surprise people on the national level. Um, before that, I think it was maybe three, four years ago, even then they, they just had good zone offense, uh, moving the ball. Even in the games, they would, uh, I think they maybe lost once or twice early on. They would, they'd put up a lot of points. I think even a couple of years ago, they hosted Syracuse. What was it? Um, two years ago, the Sweet 16 year at Florida State, it was an overtime game. Tyus went for like 40. Right. But Florida State scored 100 points. <laughs> I mean, they just, it was a yeah. clinic against the well, That game was weird, too, because fouls really kicked yeah. in. I think Braden Bayer had, had a decent amount of run in that overtime period, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Hey, that, hey, we didn't think about it then, but that was uh, kind of prep for, for Michigan State. He, he yeah. blocks Miles Bridges, Absolutely. a lottery pick. Syracuse goes to the Sweet 16. So, uh, yeah, so Florida State is excellent on zone offense. But Trent Forrest, MJ Walker, kind of guys I, I like to watch from their team. Um, and watching them on offense against the zone is just it's just fun. I mean, it's it's like a what you would put in a YouTube video on how to how to execute you know zone offense well. Right. All right. When we come back, we'll take a look at some of the matchups we're really diving into and what trends you need to look out for on both of these teams. We'll be right back. Locked on Syracuse. All right, time to dive into the matchups that we're really watching and some of the trends that we've noticed with both of these teams moving forward. Tyler Aki, Matthew Gutierrez here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Matthew, you do some great work at The Athletic, all right? And, and I love your film breakdowns that you put on Twitter from time to time. So what are you watching for in this matchup, whether it be a player who's guarding another player or is it some trend or some some style of play that you're really looking at in this game i appreciate the kind words thank you um yeah i would say you know a couple things just maybe more so trend wise for this one is a uh the high post area i think i've written about it a lot, but it's always, it's been way more open this year than in, than in years past. Um, part of that, you know, Syracuse has a, what, their defense is now about 140 something in defensive efficiency, which is so uncharacteristic. Um, last time it was like that, I believe it was the NIT year three years ago, but, uh, I would say the high post area is very open. And so Brahma, we saw it a couple times against an NC State team that doesn't have a, very versatile front court, but they were still able to capitalize a little bit with the ball in the free throw area, you know, charity stripe area. Someone gets the ball there, mm-hmm. and then Brahma's kind of caught between do I go out to him and defend that 15-footer, 13-footer, or do I sit back and make sure, that, you know, a baseline cutter doesn't sneak behind me and dunk, and then Beham pulls me. Um, that's kind of what he has to weigh and he has just not been good at making those reads it's kind of instinctual um instinctive and you gotta uh just know know who tendencies know who's on the floor and he's not been good at that so that would be number one Florida State will do that all day they'll put someone in the high post and then have someone just cut behind behind the big um and number two would be just corner the corner three Brahma's uh, it's a little bit on Quincy too and Marek in the forward, so I don't want to put all the blame on, on one guy, but, um, the corner three has been open this year quite a bit. And we saw first two minutes last night versus NC State, Brahma overcompensated and got out there too much and then ended up fouling a, a shooter three free throws and that got, uh, him pulled immediately two minutes into the game. So, uh, 
Bayham was obviously, that was in the scout. You got to defend the corner three, and then that middle area um, are probably the two things Florida State's going to look to look to do. How much Jesse Edwards do you think we could see? Because I've been waiting for him to continue to get these bigger and bigger minutes. And, of course, the, the circumstances have certainly allowed it for him. But when he goes in there, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like he makes a ton of mistakes where you're losing a lot. No. He, I think, in games like this, is you want to get him some run, right? He had the Clemson blow. Um, obviously, that probably, you know, you can look back to so many plays that cost him that that gut-wrenching loss on the road in a game they really should have won, but that was probably an easy one to pinpoint. Yeah, I think Jesse is super smooth. Uh, he, he made one of two free throws, I believe, yesterday, but uh, he's got a good sh- stroke from the line. He has a nice spin move. He's a little slow. Like, he's just slow as far as his moves. The g- he is moving slow in the game. The game is speeding, is too fast for him, so to speak. So, he looks slow, um, even though he's not. But he just doesn't have the time right now. And um, he got, a, I think, a couple of putbacks. Uh, his his length, though, he's got a seven foot four wingspan, which is equal to the Greek freak. Uh, I think the same height too. <laughs> um, although, you know, maybe one's a little more skilled than the other. But the idea is that he's got he's got that length. Just a little. Yeah, he's got that length. So. Um, we saw him poke a few balls out. He had a great block. Um, there is a lot there on the table. And assistant coach Alan Griffin, who recruited him, basically said, you know what, if he, ga- if he gains 20, 30 pounds, he could be a monster. Um, they're banking on that. It may not, you take a chance, you know, it may not happen. It may be, you hope not, but a similar situation to Brahma where he doesn't improve that much. Uh, but if he does, they're, there is some potential there. All right, so one of the matchups that I'm really going to look forward to in this is how Syracuse handles Florida State in transition. Because Florida State's a team that can get out and run. They're in the top 85 in terms of their possession length. So they're not afraid to get out in transition. And they've got the athletes to certainly do it and the depth to run you back and forth for all 40 minutes. There were moments in that NC State game where I was really concerned with Syracuse's transition defense. And you know Florida State's going to want to get out and run so they don't have to face that 2-3 zone. I mean, I remember there, there was the Markel Johnson, the 40-foot bounce pass. You had some alley-oops, too, to get behind the defense. I just think Syracuse, you're not going to... They, I know they really like to get after it on the offensive glass sometimes, but you almost want to adopt the, the Tony Bennett methodology here and just get back on defense against a team like NC or against Florida State. And, and let them try to play their offense and, and hope that your defense is a little bit better. We've seen that so many times, right? I mean, you look at a lot of zone offenses are like, there's two ways to beat the zone. Obviously, move the ball really well and get some, get some shooters. But the other way is just beat it up the floor and don't even have to deal with it, right? And a lot of teams have done that pretty well, kind of to your point. Um, Syracuse is a good transition team, but uh, they haven't gotten back at times and just giving up easy easy buckets we saw it with nc state i think florida state will look to play fast and push and wear syracuse out you know it's basically 12 on it'll be like 12 on six right uh in a way as far as bench goes or 10 on six so um yeah they are going to push the floor and you know you see i've seen maybe more so than in past couple years Bayheim is 
been a little bit more on guys about when a shot gets up or the other team gets a board, he, he'll wave his arms and say, get back, get back. Um, I think, you know, obviously he's aware of it. Uh, he needs them to get back and set up in the zone. He, he obviously hates bad basketball, and one of the things he seems to really not appreciate is when the team beats them up the floor with an easy dunk before his zone can even get set. And uh, we've seen that a couple times this year, right, where bigs especially are not running the floor too well. And that's what you like about Quincy, though. He run, he plays his tail off, and he's always sprinting uh, and getting back on D. Yeah, so what for you is an individual matchup, or maybe not a matchup, but a player on Syracuse's side that you think really needs to step up if this team has any chance of pulling off an upset without Elijah Hughes, which seems like it might be the case? It's going to take a committee. It's going to take 20, you know, monster game from Joe again, and more efficient game, you know. One for ten, mm-hmm. fade away, contested. Threes. I just don't see one for ten happening right. again, though. Do no, you? I don't. But like, remember Malachi had that. What was it? Oh, for eleven against St. John's in his one year, and, and he really never had that again. Yeah, right. He bounced back, um, and he's got. He had an NBA jump shot uh, from the get go, and I, you know, you can argue he probably he maybe he got his money, and that was his choice, but he probably. You know, looking at his NBA career, yeah. he probably could have stayed at Syracuse and maybe done better. But, um, uh, yeah, so uh, I would say Joe, <laughs> Joe, Buddy, um, Quincy. I mean, Marek has to go big time. He's going to be open at times, I think, whatever open means against Florida State. So they're going to – everybody. Yeah. I don't know if there's one player that needs to go off. I mean, they all need to play well and not turn over the ball. The other thing about – Last night, 15 turnovers really hurt them. They never turned the ball over like that. Uh, so many sloppy passes, and, and NC State's defense isn't even that good, you know. And they just 15 turnovers. Right. I mean, and, and this is a a team in in Florida State. They can be careless with the ball at times too. Yes. So you really want to set up defensively. I'm looking. So the non-steal turnover percentage, they're just inside the top 300. At 297, so that they'll if you can get them a little a little frazzled offensively and set up in that zone defense, I think you really do have a shot. I think the matchup works a little bit for Syracuse because you, again the the height can be a little deceiving with Florida State. Uh, the bulk of it is coming in the form of their guards. Yes, they have seven footers, but they don't play a ton. I, I think this is really going to come down to how do the bigs play, especially Marek. I think he's the one that can really be the game breaker in, in a matchup like this. Yeah, Marek's huge, man. He is um, an excellent player uh, and has been a difference maker quite a bit, especially when teams key on Buddy, Joe, and Elijah. Um, certainly look for Marek to – he's got the floater, he's got a – once he gets his jumper, he'll be he'll take this game to the next level. But right now, you know he drives, he channels point guard, coast to coast, taking it to the rack. There's not many guys at six ten that can do that. He's working his tail off in the weight room, four protein shakes a day. He's trying to gain some muscle, wow. gain some weight. Um, <laughs> Look at you with the insight. <laughs> the, I don't know if it's uh, if it's it's coming to fruition as far as his build goes, but he's uh, he's trying, man. Great kid, right. too. Well, Matt, 
Yeah, he really is. Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic. This was awesome. We'll hopefully have you on a little bit more throughout the season, maybe during the summer as well, but this was a real treat. So since you've been with us for about half an hour now, I'm going to let you just kind of go off. Tell us what you're working on right now and what can we expect from you with The Athletic moving forward. Hey, really appreciate the kind words. Happy to come on anytime. Yeah, a lot of things. You know, a little bit of football coming up uh, in the spring and summer, but maybe some golf. Um, right now, just focused on on uh, a few things related to the current Syracuse team, features on players, maybe a little film, uh, insight on Coach Beheim's coaching style, uh, zone work, uh, work on the opponents, and then... Um, uh, if Syracuse is not in the NCAA tournament, I will be in the Albany site for the NCAA tournament. There you um, go. Covering some games for our readers as well. So, um, yeah, athletic.com. We have almost 200 stories a day uh, globally, whether it's soccer, NFL, NBA, NHL. And I think it's uh, well worth the, the couple bucks a month. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've been a subscriber for years now. And you're one of the reasons why. Because you do awesome stuff for the athletics. So go out. Subscribe to The Athletic. They're putting out awesome content every single day. For Matthew Gutierrez, I'm Tyler Aki. This has been Locked on Syracuse. Orange taking on Florida State tomorrow in Tallahassee. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk soon.